0: So we're in uh, <clears throat> the final part of of core values, what this church believes, and and this was all based on uh, a challenge that that David gave us, and I'm just going to do a quick overview, seeing as this is the last week uh, of the thing. So the first challenge was that the word is eternal; that that to, we should be effectively teach the great truths of the Bible and help believers to apply them to our lives, because. When we are saved we have to have application. We can't just we 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 just don't accept Christ and it's end of story because God changes our hearts so we're going to think differently and, and act differently and and that's why we preach out of the Bible and we preach the word of God and we teach people to apply that the teachings to their lives. Because Uh, We're born to worship. We are going to worship something. We're either going to worship Christ or we're going to worship the world. You can put whatever you want there, but we're going to worship something. So we're to teach people. We're to teach people to worship and draw people to worship the one true God. Then we teach people about the gift of grace. We're to teach that we are saved by grace and by grace alone, and that 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 there's nothing we can do to earn that salvation. Obviously, there's stuff we should do because we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus. And if you if you have accepted Christ, you are a changed person. So we accept the gift and then we, when we accept that gift, it comes with a cost. And we have to teach that it comes with a cost. It comes with the cost of following Jesus and, and submitting and saying, I'm not going to listen to what the world tells me anymore. I'm going to listen to what Jesus tells me. So then it gets, gets to the point of redefining discipleship. So we're to lovingly support each other as we move through life, the challenges of life, because I know that life is hard, and there's going to be challenges in this life. Challenges that we can't go through on our own, and who better to go through with and learn from and grow each other than other believers? The family unit that you have been called to, because this church is what a, what is is supposed to be a family, and we're supposed to. Grow each other, just like if you was, had children, uh, and, and we grow our children. And I've learned more from my children than I've ever taught them. So, in, in a family sense, we can disciple each other, and because we are supposed to be one big happy family, we're supposed to be a family—a uh, very different family because we all come from different places. But God pulled us all together and said, "This is your family." This, this little church in Rockford is your family. You are supposed to act like family. Mm-hmm. Loving family, by the way. And, and most of us didn't grow up, a lot of us didn't grow up in, in loving family, so we don't even know what that's like. So we've got to learn from each other. And then last week we talked about this church has to be a church that anybody could walk through them doors, and we're not going to judge them, because it's not our job. We're going to love them. We're not going to hate. We're going to love, because it's not our job to judge. And I said last week, if, if uh, two guys walked in there holding hands, how would you feel? Would you approach them? lovingly and help them to find what was going on in the church? Because that's what the Bible says Jesus would have done that. And I'm not saying we're agreeing with their lifestyle. Because by the way, God doesn't agree with your lifestyle. So I'm saying that we have to accept people because that God's going to do the changing. Not one person in this church changed me. God changed me. Just like not one person changed you. They might have pointed you in the right direction, but God used them to point you in the right direction. Today we're going to be talking about go tell the world. This this whole series, it, it's not just what I, I feel that this has been, this is a biblical thing. This has been going on for thousands of years. David just pointed it out to us. This has been going on. Last week I talked about how, how this was that the 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 Philippian church was made up this way, and I really thought about the word misfits. By the way, because the people you say oh, I hate misfits, I can tell you, every Christian in the world is a misfit. They might have not been a misfit to themselves when they walked through a door, but as soon as you accept Christ as your personal savior, you become a misfit. Because you don't belong in this world anymore. You belong to a different world. So that means you don't fit here anymore. So that ultimately makes you a misfit. And not only was it, I think it's God's calling, I think it was David's calling, I think it's my calling to to be a church that preaches the Word of God accepts people, teaches them about God and what he says, and let God do the changing. Let God do the saving. And we'll be talking about that a bit more in a minute. minute. So, core value number seven is go tell the world. We are to actively reach out to the lost people of the world, wherever they are through the work of world missions. And I want to add something to that. Because we're supposed to... I think missions and evangelism is so closely into, interconnected that it, 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 to say just missions is is not giving it justice. Because without what missions are doing is evangelizing. They're br- drawing people to Christ. Some of them aren't preaching with their mouths. They do eventually, but they do something and then they preach with their mouth. Just like Jesus did, by the way. I think you always have to talk because the Bible said, the scripture we read earlier, how can anybody believe without hearing? So I'm telling you, in this world, people do good works that do not believe in Christ. So we need to actually tell them why we're doing things that we do. Them people are doing it because they get glory, they, they feel power or glory or whatever themselves. We should be doing it because we want God to get all the glory. We are living on a mission. Living on a mission is not a suggestion. When Jesus says, He says, Go tell, you see. I'm going to read the scripture, uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is right before the ascension. And when they saw him there, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So even after he came back, could you? does this blow your mind? Even after he came back, some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them all, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that means Jesus is large and in charge. And then he says this. And by the way, he's saying this to you because you are a disciple of Christ as soon as you accepted him as your savior. He says this to you just like he said it to his disciples. as you go would be a better translation. So as you go through your daily life, so so this is where it's a missional call, isn't it? So what does that make us? Missionaries. Every one of us is a missionary. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So as you go, literally, as you're going around your daily business, the people that you come in contact with, you are called to be a witness of Christ. This is not an option. I tell you, Jesus is never making suggestions because he goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So so what can happen is, is We need to preach the gospel, but we also need to preach that there's a cost to following Jesus. Because if we don't tell people about the cost, we're lying to them. If we just say, hey, you're saved by grace, and end it there, we're lying. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus tells us we're to observe what he says. And I don't think I think I don't think any of us are perfect. Because I know I'm not perfect. Okay. So just going on myself, I don't think there's anybody else out there that, that's perfect and gonna do this perfectly without sin because we are all sinners by nature. Okay? But but Jesus says to preach to teach, to observe the commandments. So Jesus put a lot, if you, I think this is the problem with us not reading our Bible enough. If you look at everything that Jesus said, he told us to do certain things. I mean, just take the big ones. He told us, if you lust with your eyes, that is just as bad as actually doing it. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't playing around. I, People always, this is what I, I, I get so frustrated with people that say, well, back in the Old Testament, God was angry. And then they go, then we, got, then we got Jesus and he's the lovey and he's the knife. Jesus, up the ante for everything. I mean, you didn't get stoned to death if you lusted over another woman. With your eyes before Jesus, Jesus is the one who said that. Jesus made it more demanding, not less demanding of us. So people say, well, he's fulfilled the law. Yes, he did. And I believe that we can't keep all the commandments. I believe the whole Old Testament is to point us to say, hey, you suck. And Jesus doesn't. So, so he will save you and he can keep the commandments so he can die in your place and he can save you. And that's the message we need to teach other people. But we never, we, when we bring people, because I, I said this earlier today, I, wanted, I would love to know the statistics of a Billy Graham concert. And I'm not knocking Billy Graham because I think he was amazing. I think he was an amazing preacher. But how many people in Billy Graham's Concerts, whatever you want to call them. The the, the 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 Billy Graham crusades came forward that day. Said the sinner's prayer. Are you okay? Said the sinner's prayer. And never went to church. I wonder what statistically the people that actually said they accepted Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. Actually, are still Christians today or would still profess to be a Christian today or they would just say yeah I'm saved I accepted Christ at a Billy Graham concert but went off and lived their life the same way as they did before they accepted Christ at a Billy Graham concert uh, crusade I mean really think about that because and, and I've listened to a lot of, and I don't think Billy Graham watered down the gospel but I think when you come forward at a place like that and you don't learn and grow and you're not plugged into a church, I think there's, there's always something we can do better. But, but telling people about Jesus is not a choice. Telling people about Jesus is not a choice. Jesus says, go make disciples. So everybody that you come in contact with You should be be, be an example. See, this is where it gets... We should reflect what we believe. See, it's easy to say, say, I believe something, but are we actually living what we believe? I mean, how can we really be a witness for Christ if we're not acting like Christ? I mean, that is what the Bible tells us to do. Paul is over and over and over saying, you are a new creation. So stop doing the old things because you're new. Live for Christ. He's going to do the work through you then. See, how do people know you're a Christian? How do people know in your life you're a Christian? Do they see Jesus I mean, a poor model of him, obviously. A poor model of him, but that you should be reflecting Jesus. You should be reflecting his life. You should be looking for opportunities to show people what Jesus was like. You should be showing the care that Jesus showed. See, we we spend our lives judging non-Christians. There's not one person in here that could say, you've never said, they, they shouldn't be doing that. That's a sin. They shouldn't be doing that. And I'm not saying you're doing it like that. But we condemn people that we're not even called to condemn. Because the only people we're supposed to worry about, and I told you last week, if you see me sinning, I want you to point it out to me. I want you as my church to hold me accountable. But nobody out there, not even another Christian out there can hold me accountable. This is where God put me. And this is my family of brothers and sisters and everyone that belongs that belongs to the church, that's a member of this church, has every entitlement To to pour into my life positively by, by telling me when I'm sinning. By pointing out when I'm wrong. And I, by the way, have the same authority over your life. That is what being a Christian family member is about. Is holding each other accountable. So when we go outside of this church, we can be a Witness of what it looks like. Because we are going to reflect what we believe. And I'm not saying, because I think we've got a lot of work to do. All of us, including me, at this very thing. If we want to bring more people to Christ, we need to work on ourselves a little bit first. We need to work on the core First. I was just talking this week about growth and wanting to see more people in the seats. Okay? But I think we need to get some things straight before we get all these people flowing in and we end up with chaos because we're not a hundred percent sure what to do. We need to grow here first and then we can grow. This way. Because God will bring the growth. If we do it right, if we do it biblically, if we start acting out what we believe, I, I don't have no doubt that every seed in this, this sanctuary will be filled if God wants it filled. I want to see more people baptized. I want to see more people join our church. I can't remember. This is, I I was thinking this week because this this made me, this sermon was a hard sermon for me because I'm thinking, when was the last time somebody got dunked? Can anybody tell me? That's sad. Don't you think that's sad? That we can't even tell you. Why do we exist if, if new people aren't meeting Jesus? As a church, why do we exist? We're we're doing a poor job and I'm, I'm guilty of reflecting Jesus. Of reflecting Jesus. Ephesians says this. Now that I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the the, the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have become given themselves up to sens- sensuality, greed, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned, Christ. This is God's word. It's not my word. I didn't make this stuff up. We are supposed to be reflecting Christ. We are supposed to put our old self off. We're not supposed to say, hey, that's okay. You can can accept Christ and stay in your sin. I don't think that's how it works. Because here's the problem is, is I'm not saying we're never going to sin again. So let me get that straight. Because everyone in there is going to sin. But it's unrepentant sin. If you're not a repentant sinner, I'm not sure that you're saved. I'm not saying because that's up to God. But I'm not sure biblically when I look in the Bible, if you're an unrepentant sinner, if you do not repent of the sins that you do on a daily basis, you are an unrepentant sinner. You might want to get on your knees and talk to Jesus. And see what he has to say. You might want to study this yourself. And see what the Bible says. Because I'm just giving you what the Bible says. And if we can get that straight. And we should start doing this right now. And it actually blew my mind. Because a lot of things blew my mind this week about this. Like I said it was hard. Because I started thinking about the church and, and baptism. And then I started thinking about... How we pray, and I'm going to tell you, I'm an elder, and I'm going to tell you this your elders have let you down. And I'm not, I'm going to say all of us, anybody that's on the elder board, has let you down because they haven't been praying for you, they haven't been praying for this. We get together and we have a meeting, we're going to have one today. And we strictly talk business and a little bit of prayer. And the problem is, is is that's not what the Bible said. we are supposed to be praying for you as a congregation. And we're also supposed to be praying for this city and what is happening in this city. and we're supposed to pray for other churches in this city. we I put it on the prayer list today because I'm thinking when was the last time I'm the pastor and I didn't do this so so I'm guilty I'm not condemning all of you by the way this is this is a lot about me. I could have spoke up at an outer meeting I could I could have put on the prayer request hey pray for this city we're going to pray every week from now on for this city. Today, I'm going to get a list this week of every member of this church. And we're going to divide it. The elders don't know this, so you're getting upfront information. I'm going to divide this between the elders, a list. And they are going to promise to pray for you individually every single day of the week. They're going to have a group of people that they pray for. And then once a month when we meet again, we're going to switch. So we're not praying for the same people all the time. So we switch throughout the year. We're switching for the members of this church because we need to be praying for you on a daily basis. But also, you should be praying for your leaders. You should be praying for your elders every day. You should have a list in front of you. You should know who your elders are and you should be praying for their growth and the God to spiritually lead them in the direction he's called this church for. So you've got some accountability here too. It's not just us that's messed up, it's you that's messed up too. Because we should be praying, because I think if we start praying, we'll bear more fruit. We'll bear more fruit. God moves more in prayer. You know what's amazing? I think. 20, 20 plus years ago, this was a praying church. Uh, I, I know it because I've not, I just, I knew that people were praying for me in this church. Okay? But then, then I hear other people that said, yeah, we prayed for you every week to, to meet Jesus. And, and, you know, I think we've lost something that we need to get back. I think we've lost something. We're trying to fit into a model of what other churches are doing, or whatever. We need to go back a little bit. We need to. We need to. We need to go back. You see, God will honour that. I mean. Obviously, everybody in there—I know everybody that's sitting in there right now—has been there for fifteen plus years. Okay, have you seen numbers, people disappear? I mean, I'm not—I'm not judging anything here, but something's wrong when you have that happening. We're doing something wrong when we're diminishing people not growing not bringing more people to Christ obviously again it starts with the the people that you voted in for leadership of the church that's why i'm going to tell and i'm going to i'm going to harp on this every week about there's one meeting a year one meeting in a year that we meet as a, a business meeting and i'm going to i want everybody who professes to be a member at that meeting, because I think if you're not there, I don't think you could class yourself as a member I mean if you if you if, if you had a house meeting because you need to straighten some stuff out in your house and you you wouldn't you be there if one of your kids didn't show up, you would be upset wouldn't you yet we so easily nonchalantly. Don't come to the the meeting that decides the fate of this church, and we can't do missions. We can't do all of this without that. That's why I'm going to harp on you. It's going to be like a broken record, and and and. It's all I can do because here's, here's the ultimate ultimate thing: is that we need to pray, and 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 we need to have a list of prayers that we go to every day, and we lift up God because that's what we're supposed to do first, and then we we pick some people to pray for. And and as church members you should be praying every day for your elders by name, not in a group, by name. And here's the thing, if if your members want to do what the elders do, you there's only eleven elders right now, you could take a couple each and and you take one each and know that that and, and commit to taking that person and just praying for them. Okay, that that's take one a month. Randomly yourself, pick an elder once a month to pray for every single day. Every single day. And I will promise you, this is a promise from me to you, that I will pray for you every day. As your pastor. You see, I take this role seriously because when I look at Scripture, I'm going to be judged for this. That is why I'm never going to candy up or, or make this too sweet for you because guess who's got to stand in front of Jesus and give an account for how I preached his word to his flock, to his sheep, me. And I take that pretty seriously because I know who he is. And I'm not going to do this perfectly and you're not going to do your part perfectly. Perfectly but we need to attain to that goal because that's what the bible says that's what god's word says so this week this is this is this is i want you to make a list maybe one or two people that you know that don't know jesus that you know that don't know jesus and there's not one person in here that can tell me they don't know somebody that doesn't know jesus okay you need to start praying for them now and you need to not stop praying for them if it takes 20 years or 30 years or you die before they meet Jesus you continue to pray for them and it, until if they're older than you or they die before you then you can stop praying because that their their consequences are over but unless they die or meet Jesus. And even if they meet Jesus, you, you continue to pray for them because they need to spiritually grow in Jesus. But you need, a, you need a, a list. It doesn't have to be long. One, two, three people that you pray for. That you pray for every single day. Because I believe that I'm standing here because this church prayed for me. And there's a lot of people in this church today that still that prayed for me. And I'm only here because of that. How many of you would like to see more baptisms? How many people would like to see more people join this church? And not because we want their money, because we want to give them what we've got. We want to show them the grace of God. Let's be the church that God has called us to be. Colossians 1, 9-11 says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. God will honor your prayers. They're the kind of prayers He wants to hear. But we soon go to him if we've got a problem. We need to stop sometimes and forget about ourselves. Actually, what you do, this is the good thing to do, is I've got a problem. I go to one of you and say, can you pray for me? And then I'm not worried about it because you're praying for me, okay? And then you get a problem. You come to somebody else or me and I pray for you. You don't have to worry about pray. You can pray for other people then. Hey, how would that work? Wow, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for yourself. I'm saying sometimes when you ask somebody else to pray, God helps them to discern what they should pray for. We pray for health, wealth, and and whatever prosperity when that's not what the Bible promises. So this week, who this week can you be praying for? And I mean, don't take this lightly. If you don't do reading the scriptures that I ask you to do, this is something that you should take seriously. Everybody in this church should write one or two free names down and start praying for them. Because you know people that don't know. They might even be your family members that don't know Christ. Start praying. My dad was the one who asked to pray for me in this church. And I know back then there wasn't just this church who was just not only praying on Wednesdays and Saturdays, Sundays, they were praying throughout the week for me. Not only praying when we do prayer. Think about that. God can change lives. It's not, here's, here's the beauty of this. I'll take all the responsibility off of you. You can't save anyone. If they're not savable, if they're not going to accept Christ, guess what? Your prayers are not going to save them. So you don't even have to feel responsible. You just have to pray. God does the saving. Your prayers in this church didn't save me. God saved me. And by the way, I believe that God would save me whether you prayed for me or not. But I think he calls us to do that. Because it helps us to be a witness in them people's lives. And, and also, read Luke 15, the, the, the three parables for next week. Because I might have to skim over them. That's a lot of text. but So you need to read these texts this week. Luke 15. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the, the parable of the lost son. And then join us for next week's sermon. Make your move. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a great and awesome God. That you work in our lives. That you want us to change. That you want us to take our faith seriously. Not because we have to. But because we get to. Because we submitted to you the day we said, our lives stop. God. And we need what you have. We submitted our lives to you and called Jesus Lord. Mm-hmm. And when you are a Lord, mm-hmm. we are yours, your God, and we follow you. And we do your will and your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.